You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the greatest podcast in the entire universe. Um... It's not, it's really not that great, but today I'm going to keep this introduction really short. We have a kick-ass podcast and, uh, it's with one of the TV hosts from the show, Heartland Bowhunter. His name is Michael Hunsucker and, uh, we have a really awesome BS session today and just about everything kind of bouncing all over the place. Like I am very good at no real structure <laughs> to to the interview but uh basically we just shoot the shit for a little while talk about uh what he's done this year what he plans to do kids uh, how he got into bow hunting blah 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 uh so you'll have to listen to that but before we get into today's podcast i talked with john livingston from deer lab about the ease of use of deer lab Deer Lab is super simple. We basically give you tools to drag and drop your photos from an SD card or from your computer directly into Deer Lab, and we automate a majority of the process. We automatically sync with your w- local weather station and bring in weather data that trail cameras can't capture. We also uh, bring in um, automatically organize all of your photos by date. We give you tools as far as filtering and all that, but it's really super simple. Um, as, as long as you can drag and drop or select photos from your computer, you pretty much know how to use deer lab. If you want to find out more information about deer lab, be sure to visit the URL that was designed specifically for the nine finger chronicles listeners. And that is deerlab.com slash nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers no spaces and uh you will you can sign up for a 30 day free trial period i suggest you do it it may be able to help you uh, pattern some deer in the late season now let's kick off this happy friday podcast with host of the television show heartland bow hunter with michael hunsucker how are you doing today mike hey dan i'm doing well how are you you know, I can't complain. Uh, it's it's hunting season. I'm uh, I'm tagged out with my Iowa buck. How about you? How was uh, how's your season been so far? It's been good. It's been really good, actually. Um, up and down seems like. You know, when when it rains, it pours. But uh, it's it, overall, it's been great. Can't can't complain at all. So we know that uh, you're from Missouri, but this year, how many uh, how many other states did you hunt? Uh, so so far, I've hunted. Um, New Mexico, Wyoming, Nebraska, Kansas, and Missouri. So five states total. Okay. So New Mexico and Wyoming were those for what? What species were those for? I kicked off my season out west, um, and I was actually supposed to be going to Nebraska on a mule deer hunt when my elk guide I drew a tag for uh, for New Mexico. I've been putting in for for five years and hadn't drawn a tag yet. And, um, so I was super pumped to draw a tag and that was kind of my high priority hunt this year. So, um, I got a call from my, the guy I was hunting with when uh, I was on my way to Nebraska for a mule deer hunt. And he said, man, things are like 
really getting good right now. He's like, I think it'd be worth your time to, to come right now if you can. I was like, well, I'm literally on my way north, so you say the word and I'll flip it. And so I flipped around, <laughs> headed south and headed straight to New Mexico, and uh, it paid off. I killed, got there. Uh, I actually made about halfway, uh, took a, took a uh, pit stop, got there the next morning, got some stuff settled in, went out to the end of the field that evening up on the mountain and um, got up on a water hole and killed that first night. <laughs> oh, don't you wish every hunt was like that, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's kind of one of those tricky things because, like, you know, last my first elk hunt a couple years ago, I had that happen where I had a really good bowl right away. First bowl we called in, come right in screaming. Um, I mean, big, like probably like a 340 bowl. And I, I'd never killed a bowl before. And so, I, you know, I knew – I knew he was big and I was just like, man, I don't want to be done like right now. So, you know, I let him walk and, and, uh, just kind of soaked up the moment and, and, uh, the guy thought I was crazy, but, uh, you know, I, I ended up killing a good bull, nothing like 340, nothing that big, but, um, to me it was worth it, you know, to let that one go and to actually hunt for five, six days and actually enjoy the whole, the whole hunt and the experience and get a call in elk and just, you know, being my first time ever, it was cool. So now I, I know with the, the show, uh, Heartland Bowhunter, you guys, I mean, that opens up some, uh, you know, some opportunities for you, but how, how long ago was your very first Western hunt with you being from Missouri? Oh man. Um, I'm trying to think back probably my first, my first Western hunt, um, was ever was actually a turkey hunt in Western Nebraska. Um, that was okay. the first time I'd ever really got gotten out West at all. Um, after that, I uh, did some some mule deer hunting in that area, which I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that Western Nebraska is considered out west. Really, it's still pretty midwestern. Um, but it wasn't until um, you know I was uh, went out on, went out to Arizona to film film Sean on the elk hunt, and um, went out to Arizona for a mule deer hunt that I really that was probably five six years ago that I really really started hunting out west. And um, but with Nebraska, the the mule deer hunting in Nebraska is kind of what got me hooked on uh, on going out west. I, uh, I have some, uh, some family ground Southwest of, uh, I think where you guys or Southeast of where you guys hunt in the sand Hills. And, uh, I don't know what it is about the sand Hills for me anyway, that is, it's like a, it's, it's not crazy like the mountains, but it's still like a really magical place. That's just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, I, what I fell in love with was just the spot and stock style hunting, you know, just, right. um, so much different, you know, I mean, I love whitetail hunting and I love tree stand hunting, but I mean, it's just hard to replicate that adrenaline rush when you're, you know, 20 yards away from a, from a bedded animal in his bed and he has no clue that you're there. You fooled him all the way into, into right. boat range. That's pretty, pretty exciting. So let's see. So then, uh, Kansas, obviously, uh, some whitetails We're where were you, other than uh, New Mexico this year? Where else were you successful? So I shot a bull in New Mexico um, early, and then uh, after that, I came back home. I was uh, I had that Wyoming tag, and I, I I didn't have an opportunity to go out there before Missouri's opener because we have a pretty early season open in Missouri, and so it opens on September fifteenth. And I had a buck that. Um, that I had a lot of history with that I was not going to miss opening day for. He was a buck that I thought I had a really good chance of killing early. And, uh, I wanted to kind of put all my, all my chips in one basket and go after him. And, um, so once I got back from, from that trip to New Mexico, I, I kind of stayed home and focused on the focus on that buck and, uh, tried to put a game plan together. And, you know, he was, he's a seven year old buck that was, um, really pretty elusive. Like, you know, I just, I had him a few times on camera throughout the summer, but you know, I knew he was a homebody and he wasn't moving much, but I just couldn't really pin him down. And so, um, opening day I went out and, uh, and where I thought I would have a good opportunity at him and had a 150 inch four year old come right in like 20 yards and come out of the beans feed right in front of me. And it was a buck that he was hanging out with all summer. So it was a no brainer for me to, to let him go and pass him up. And, uh, but he never did show up and I never did, never did see him that night. Um, and then I think it was the next night I hunted that same stand and ended up seeing, seeing him. And it was a buck that I called Chubbs and I had so much history with him. I actually, 
when he was four years old, I had an opportunity at him, and he came in, and um, I drew back while he was literally like 15, 20 yards in the timber, and I was waiting for Sean, who was filming me. I was going to let him walk out and get some B-roll, you know, get some, you know, some footage of him before I shot him, but I wanted to draw back to that, so I was ready, and uh, another little buck that was with him spooked, and so he spooked as well and bounded off and I just had to guess the yardage well I misguessed the yardage I think he was like 25 I thought he was like 35 and I hit him high just barely nicked the top of his back and uh, so that was that was uh when he was four years old and um never had a crack at him the next year uh or that year the rest of that year never even saw him the following year on the hoof I had pictures of him but never even saw him the following year and then that brings us up to last year and um Last year, same thing. I kind of had a had a good good idea to how to shoot, how to kill him early, and actually had an opportunity at him last year early season. Um, and this was actually on a, an episode that aired this uh, this year on Outdoor Channel. But um, he came in, and he was about forty. Uh, I think he was about thirty eight or forty something, forty yards. And and uh, I drew back. And I had to stop him because he was just really moving fast. And he ducked and came out of his skin and literally probably like ducked almost ten twelve inches. <laughs> I hit him high again through the back strap, and uh, you know I, I thought I hit him good actually at first. First thought we watched the footage back, and I knew, you know, after watching him, we watched him run off and then stop and then just kind of walk off. You know, and I knew that he was just going to be fine, and it's just like, oh man, my heart sank. I mean, I thought I had him finally, yeah. and once again I shot him in the almost the exact same spot. You know, just right behind the shoulder, up and high on top of the back, and. and uh Oh man, I was just devastated and um, had so many close calls with him that that last year early early season and and then once again after that happened, I never had another another opportunity. So so like I said, this year you know he wasn't a he wasn't by any means a giant. You know he's probably a 140, you know 135, 140 seven year old. But that deer he meant so much to me and I had a job to a job to finish. So um, put all my eggs in one basket this year and and. Ended up seeing him, kind of getting a game plan together, and you know, I just I didn't want to push it too much. He was not, he was he was bedding right on the edge of the beans, basically, you know, in the woods, just a little ways in this thicket. And I didn't want to push it, you know. He'd get out of his bed and feed right next to his bed, and then go back in, and he just wasn't moving much. And um, there was one stand I had set that was perfect for that, but I needed a north wind, so I just waited and hunted with south wind, um, and just kind of hunted, you know, off the perimeter a little ways, and just kind of watched and and um, you know, hoping to get lucky, and never did. And then finally. Um, I want to say it was September, it was September 20 something. So it was like the second week of season, we finally got a good cold front to push through with North wind. And I got in that sand that I, that I had hung just for that, that opportunity. And sure enough, he came out and, uh, he came out with that other 150 inch three-year-old and they start feeding the beans and they're feeding about 80 yards where they came out of the woods right in front of us. And they're about feeding right, right towards us, you know, just taking their time, hardly moving at all. You know, I'm like, come on, get closer, get closer. They, they're getting closer. And they got, at one point, he got to about probably 45 yards, and they were still coming our way. And So I was just trying to be patient, you know. And, and uh, but I was, I told told Brian, who was the guy who was filming me at the time, I said, if, you know, if he gives me a shot or, you know, actually he's going to leave, I'm going to take it. And sure enough, like five minutes later, he turns and faces straight away and starts walking. So I draw back, and I'm like, oh, come on. I'm like, stop, 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 stop. And he keeps walking and walking and walking. And so I don't know to like bleed at him to get him to try to turn or what. And finally he turns and quarters away. And uh, I just had to guess and I made the right guess. He was about, he, he walked about 10 yards. He was 55 yards. And so I, you know, I took my time. I held low. I put my 50 right on him <laughs> and uh, I let it loose and it just buried right in, right in front of his last rib, you know, quartered away hard all the way out the other shoulder. And he didn't even make it out of the field. He piled up and uh, I about fell out of the tree. I was so excited. Like I said, it, I, you know, I it was like, I shot a shot a booner to me. So yeah, for sure. Uh, he was a, was a cool, cool deer. And, and sure enough, he ducked, he ducked. So I'm glad I aimed a little bit low. <laughs> So what's the difference in your eyes, um, maybe going out to a piece of public land out west or going out to, uh, let's say, an outfitter that you guys are using and then, you know, harvesting a deer there, you know, what's the difference between that and then harvesting a buck like this who you have several years of history with, with several encounters with? I mean, for you, is there a difference? Yeah, I think so, for sure. Um, 
you know, the, the, that's why I love whitetail hunting so much and managing whitetail and managing deer is because like you build a history with these deer and you get to know them and you get, to, you know, it's a, it's more of a chess match. You know, you're trying to yeah. figure out everything and, 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 and there's so many pieces to the, to the puzzle. And, and with out West, it's, it's a little bit different. It's, it's more of a short term rush. So it's, yeah. you know, you're, you, you spend a lot more time scouting and looking and glassing and trying to find them. And like, once you found them, like that's, that's a big accomplishment, you know, in the Midwest, it's not hard to find them, you know, get them on trail camera. That's easy. Right. Uh, out West, the hard part is, is covering ground and finding a deer to go after. That's, that's the, that's half the battle. So, um, it's just different. But, but like I said, I mean, with a whitetail, like, you know, having a buck like that chubs, like the buck I had just been trying to kill for three years, having him come into bow range and I was just as cool as could be, you know, I'm just collected and, and ready for to take the shot. And, you know, I get a just huge rush after the shot, you know, after you make the shot, I start shaking and kind of lose it then. But it's, that's the difference in, in, uh, at West, like on a spot and stock hunt, man, I, your heart's about to pound out of your chest when you're just making inch and closer, inch and closer, inch and closer, because that's the hard part is, is finding them and then making the stock, um, you know, pulling the triggers, the, the easy part at that point, but you got to get close and it's just so difficult to, to fool a, a big mule deer or an elk and get, get close to him. Now I want to go back to the very beginning and uh, talk to you a little bit about what, what was your introduction into hunting like? I got started um, just basically from my family and uh, going to the family deer camp that we had every year. So my dad had grown up hunting and wasn't a real serious hunter, never bow hunted by any means, but um, Missouri has a 10-day rifle season, so um, the first weekend of the season, everybody kind of got together, my dad and a couple of his buddies, and then, you know, as they had kids, they started bringing us along once we got to, got to a certain age, and I fell in love with it. That was like, I just remember being in school and like looking forward so much to that day, that Friday, when he'd take us out of school early so we could get down to deer camp and set up and hunt and I just loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved the camp. I loved the, the camping out, the, the fire, the the camaraderie, the hanging out with the guys, watching, you know, we'd sit around, we had a old generator that we'd hook up to a truck battery and watch had a little tube TV with VHS. We'd watch monster bucks and sit around the campfire. And, um, uh, it was awesome. It was really cool. And so I kind of got hooked and I, you know, it was, it was the experience of the, of the deer camp that hooked me before I had ever even killed a deer. I would go with my dad and just sit with him. And, um, it got to a point to where once I, once I started hunting and I, and I killed my first couple of deer, I was like, man, I can't just do this for, for 10, 11 days out of the year. You know, I, I want to do this longer and I want to do this all the time. And so, uh, we got Missouri has an extremely, uh, liberal, uh, season. It's open for four months out of the year. So I was like, man, I'm like, I gotta pick up a bow. And at the time I didn't really know anybody who bow hunted. So I picked up a bow, started shooting. And, um, through that met Sean, Sean and I were, we went to, to middle school together and, um, just through mutual friends, you know, we got talking and, and uh we had a similar passion and, and he was he was had a little different background his dad was uh, raised him hunting too but was his dad was a serious bow hunter and so sean been hunting with the bow since he was 10 11 years old um so i was probably 13 or 14 just picking it up for the first time so we we started hanging out all the time and hunting together and, and, and just doing doing hunting stuff together and then after a while we're like man let's start filming some hunts i i kind of always had a passion for filming when I was younger, we, we would film all kinds of stuff as kids, you know, just whether it was my buddy had like a half pipe and skateboarding or like, you know, just <laughs> doing, doing stupid stuff around the, his farm, like silly stuff. But, uh, I, that was one of my first major purchases with a camera. And, uh, so we started filming hunts kind of for fun and, and one thing led to another and that's kind of how it all started. So, you know, when you, when you made that transition to bow hunting, uh, for, for you, was it a, a difficult, I mean, did, did Sean teach you a lot or did, was it kind of a learn from mistakes type of, uh, entry into the sport? Uh, it was a little bit of both. I would say, I mean, um, at the, at the time, like the, you know, the, big, uh, the forums were kind of a big thing for me, um, getting on, uh, bowhunting.com. Well, it wasn't bowhunting.com. It was, uh, huntingnet.com at the time. And, and, uh, you know, there was just so much information out there. And so, you know, I would try to pick up and learn from that. And then, um, you know, obviously Sean and I hunted together and learned a lot from, from trial and error. 
Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's the best way to learn, in my opinion. I mean, there, there wasn't nearly the amount of information that is out there now that there was when we got started. So um, there's so much more available to, you, to, to people today, and it makes it so much easier to get into. And it seems like, to me, there's a lot more hunters, a lot more people that bow hunt now than, than there was back then. So um, just, it just makes it easier when there's, when there's more resources readily available. So what were some of the big learning experiences for you? I mean, for, for me as a bow hunter, I failed so much and those, you know, that failure, you know, led me to make changes in the way I hunt to all the way up to where I am today. But did you have any specific learning experiences or any aha moments that it's like, oh man, that's so stupid. I've been doing it wrong the entire time. Yeah, um, hunting the wind was a big one for me. Uh, when you know, when I grew up at family deer camp, it was like literally like we just had this big field, and we would just kind of each person would kind of go in a different corner, and and we just sit there, and it, it didn't matter what the wind was, nobody paid attention to that. And so, and and obviously we had our successful hunts because sometimes you just get lucky in the middle of the rut, and and the deer come from the right direction. But um, yeah, that was that was a big learning curve for me. It was like wow, like you got to really fool these deer's noses if you want to come in this in bow range and man i'll never forget the the first couple deer i had come in bow range i had a had a couple does come in and i literally was so shook up i couldn't even get my bow drawn back i just pulled and pulled and pulled and couldn't and they, of course they stared at me and then blew and ran off and i finally ripped it back and it was just it was too late they had already busted out of there so um but yeah the wind was a big one and then um you know, yardage, judging yardage, that's something that just kind of takes, takes time as before, before range finders were real, real readily available and popular. And, uh, so really it was either you walk it off and like put a flag on a tree or you just, you know, you kind of try, try to learn to guess, do your best guessing. And, uh, that's something that, that, uh, took some time and, and, and took a lot of, a lot of time to learn. So walk us through, if you can remember it, walk us through your, maybe an abbreviated version of your very first bow kill. Yeah. So my, my very first bow kill, um, would have been actually, it was at our, our Missouri rifle deer camp. And it was that Friday before gun season opened up. So I was like, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to hunt that Friday. Um, I had a doe, come in and you know i hadn't i hadn't shot anything yet with with my bow and so i was gonna gonna take her the first opportunity i got she came in and um was walking right to me you know and uh she got to about i drew back you know when she's probably 20 yards and she crossed behind a tree she got to about 15 10 10 15 yards and stopped and froze and looked right up at me and i was like oh no and i didn't know what to do <laughs> you know i just i just held the pin on her and pulled the trigger and uh little did I know I mean I just just dropped her right there in her tracks and uh you know she was she was quartered too it was a shot that I would never take at this point uh now knowing what I know now um but she dropped in her tracks and it was a luckily it was a clean ethical ethical kill it went through her I think it went through her spine and through her opposite shoulder and and uh kind of dropped her right there but it was like a it was a, it was a big moment for me because, you know, with bow hunting, not, a lot of times you don't see the animal go down. So there's a lot of unknown when you see him run off. Like, did I hit him good? Did I hit him bad? Did I, you know, who knows? But right. when, when they drop in their tracks, it was like, Oh man, like instant gratification. Like I finally did it. And I actually had like a little stabilizer camera and, and got it all on, uh, on, on camera. From that point to how, how many years did it take you to then get into what I call the hardcore category where you're running trail cameras, you know, you're doing your shed hunting, you're, you're focusing on not only killing deer, but killing a higher deer, uh, like a, a cate- higher ca- deer category, like a mature buck or a bigger antlered buck. Talk to Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, it didn't take me long, <laughs> probably about two years. And I was just like, I, I got more serious and more serious and more serious. Um, the first step I think was trail cameras for us, you know, before, before shed hunting, before food plots, before any of that stuff. Um, we had, uh, we had started running trail cameras and that was, you know, when the, the, the first ones were film, film trail cameras and weren't the most reliable and you had to get them developed. And really they didn't provide that much information for you other than, you know, knowing a deer is, is in your area. Um, that's something that 
oh man, the evolution of trail cameras has completely changed the way that, that we hunt. And it's, it's really unbelievable. Um, but, uh, we even got to a point, Sean's dad was kind of making some homebrew cameras where he was buying these little digital cameras when the first digital cameras came out and was making, uh, making homemade cameras with little Pelican cases and, and, uh, putting them all together. And, and, uh, so we had some of those first digital cameras and, uh, started running those. And that was, that was cool because it kind of allows you to kind of get a, get an inventory on the property and, and the deer that are on there and choose ahead of time, like which ones you want to target, which ones you want to go after, which ones you want to let go. Um, cause I know there's that there's been, you know, especially the past couple of years, you know, there's been several bucks that, you know, that are, that are younger deer that are three or, or four years old that we want to let go that if they came in on you without knowing you'd shoot them in a heartbeat cause they're big deer. And, uh, you know, for us, I think it's gotten a lot more about, uh, a lot more about the deer's age and, and, and managing deer than it has about the, the rack or the antler size. Um, you know, like I said, it just, it, it's, it's more than, it's more than just about the rack. It's, it's about the history with the deer and it's about letting them grow to their full potential. And it's about so much more than that. And it's kind of evolved so much from those early stages. So now that you have, so, so you got into it hardcore, how old were you at that time? Man, I was probably like 16 or so. It was right when I started driving because otherwise it was like, hey, mom, or hey, <laughs> hey, Greg, my brother, like, you want to take me to my hunting spot? Like, you know, and I, I live not not in the city, but I live, you know, in a suburb. So there's not a lot of hunting, you know, ground here locally. So it was, uh, it was really when I turned 16, when, once, once Sean and I could start driving. Um, he turned, he turned 16 in May. So he was super old or super old for our grade. So I didn't turn 16 till August, but, uh, yeah, it was nice having somebody who could drive to, uh, get around to your hunting spots. So that's, I'd say that's probably, you know, probably when we were about 16 and when we got real more, more serious into it anyways. Okay. So then when did Heartland bow hunter start? What year was that? And how old were you? So HB got started, um, roughly 10 years ago when, um, when Sean and I, had basically we were almost done with college it was like our junior or senior year and uh, we got started kind of in in the industry by manufacturing tree arms sean's dad owns a machine shop and uh, we we had bought some tree arms used some tree arms and nobody was like manufacturing and selling a quality tree arm you know there were some cheap hundred dollar ones that were okay for like little tiny cameras but once we invested in some more serious equipment um you know, there wasn't much out there and, and the people that we talked to that had the, had the professional cameras were just using ones that, that, uh, they had had, you know, local machine shops or people they know may make, you know, put together and they're all, all kind of thrown together. So that was our, that was our, uh, the way we got our foot in the door was by manufacturing and selling tree arms and actually, you know, allowed us to meet a lot of the people that, that had already had, you know, established TV shows and already, you know, had been in the industry for quite some time. So it was a pretty, it was a pretty cool experience. You know, I'll never forget that, uh, the first ATA show I ever went to. Um, it was just one of the, one of the, my favorite experiences of, of my hunting career was just, was stepping into that building for the first time and seeing everything that I love, like all in one room. It was, it was so cool. So from there, you know, we, we started, we kind of gathered a group of guys, a group of friends together that, that, uh, that we hunted with and, and started, you know, got, got tree arms to them and we wanted to film, uh, put together videos that promoted the tree arm. And we, so we wanted to put together like the highest quality video we could because our tree arms were super smooth and super fluid. And, um, that was kind of our idea. Well, a year into it, man, we just were laying down some incredible footage and, and some really good deer. And, and we, we saw, really saw an opportunity in the industry. You know, at that time, nobody was really paying that much of attention to production quality. And, uh, so, you know, we, we said, well, let's, you know, let's look into the TV route. We looked into it. And, uh, one thing kind of led to another, we were fortunate enough to, to have a different, you know, a different concept that hadn't been done before, you know, telling the whole story behind the deer. It wasn't just about the kill. It wasn't, you know, hopping from tree to tree, jumping a tree, kill a buck, jumping a tree, kill a buck. It was, you know, that doesn't happen. This doesn't happen that way. Like this is a whole season's worth of work to put to, to that culminates into the success. And, uh, we wanted to just kind of tell that story because, up until then nobody really had done that and nobody really understood like why we do what we do. And so I wanted to be able to, you know, 
have somebody sit down and watch an episode of the show and be like somebody who doesn't hunt at all and, and watch the show and, and understand and, and be like, wow, okay. I understand why you are so passionate about that. And I understand why it's so important to you. It's not just killing, you know, it's just, you know, it's a lot of times, sometimes we get, you know, hunting gets a bad rap because people are like, Oh, you're just killing for the rack, killing for the antlers or, you know, there's so much more that goes into it. And so we want to show that. And that's, you know, we were fortunate enough to be the first ones to really, really give that a lot of effort and a lot of attention. And, um, it, it allowed us to kind of break into the industry. When you started, you know, filming your hunts and making, you know, making hunting kind of a, a business, your income, did that change the style or the way that you, that you approached bow hunting? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, I, uh, I've passed up a couple bucks after camera light that I, I was, that I hate to admit I passed up, um, you know, because there is more to it than that. You know, it's, it's when it's, when, when your livelihood relies on the, us producing hunts and being successful in the field, it, there's a little more to it. But, I, you know, I try not to let that, that get to you too much because that if, if you, if you go around on hunts and you have that pressure just, you know, looming over your head, then, uh, it takes a lot of the fun out of it. And so, um, you know, we try not to let that, that get to us at all, but it definitely changes things. I mean, you know, I, I've passed up a couple of what would have been some of my bigger deer, uh, just because it was too dark for for video. What about from a strategy standpoint, like where you set up or how you set up? Yeah. Yeah. That too. Um, it's different, you know, there's twice as many, uh, two guys in a tree. So twice as much scent, twice as much movement, twice as much to hide. You got a big camera arm and, uh, takes twice as long to set up. Um, it's definitely an adjustment. And now, you know, it's, it's second nature to us now, but, uh, a lot of people don't realize that. I don't think, you know, until they try filming hunts for the first time that there's, you know, a lot more that goes into it than just, uh, pressing record and having a camera with you. It's, it's a process. Right. Right. So I'm kind of jumping all over the place here, but you're a, you're a dad now, right? Oh, yeah. You got, you got two sons. How old are your sons? Uh, my youngest is almost nine months, and uh, my oldest is a little over. He'll be three in next August. Okay, so I got uh, I got two kids too. I got one that's almost four and one that's almost two, and I don't make I don't make money like going out and filming hunts, so it's not necessarily in my livelihood. But my hunting my hunting went from the single. Then it went to married and it got lower and then it went from one kid and it got lower and then it went to two kids and then it even got lower yet. And I'm still <laughs> blessed. I'm still blessed because I got a kick-ass wife who lets me pretty much do whatever I want. But how is it now to balance your your hunting schedule with two young kids at home? Yeah, it's definitely different. Um, and uh, my wife is definitely a trooper. Uh, when we started dating, I said – I just want to let you know, I'm not going to scare you off, but I said, no, no, no girl I've ever dated has made it through a full hunting season. I said, so good, <laughs> I said, good luck. And, uh, lo and behold, she made it through that first season. She made it through a couple more. Uh, and, She's uh, keeper. you know, I knew she was a keeper. So no, she was, you know, it, I think it's important, you know, to have, you know, strong women that support what you do and, and women that have, you know, hobbies and, and lives of their own because, um, you know, she stays busy, especially with the kids now, but I mean, um, uh, she's super supportive and, 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 um, definitely supports, supports me and all the hunting stuff, but it's definitely changed still, even so, um, you know, even though it's, it is my job, um, uh, you know, we, we went from in, in years past, uh, going out West and being gone for three, four weeks at a time and then coming back home. And so I try not to do too much of that anymore. You know, I hate to be gone th those long lengths of time, uh, you know, try to plan a, plan a trip here and then a week in between and another trip and and kind of space it out a little bit more so uh but it won't be long and the, the little ones will be coming along with me i guarantee you my my older one is just every time i leave he's like daddy he's like look i'm big now take me with you <laughs> and so he's just dying to go so he's got a little he's got a little diamond bow and i've been he's been shooting in the backyard and so it won't be long he'll be he'll be coming along nice so i've talked to other industry guys who are in the 300 days they're gone, like 300 days a year, they're, they're gone from their family. How, how many days a year are you away from your house? 
Oh man, I, you know I don't I wouldn't even know where to how to you know guess nowhere near 300. Um, but uh, you know we're fortunate to to have uh, quite a bit of property here in Missouri, and uh, you know so we have uh, up at our main our main farm we have a big you know farmhouse there and and uh, so we have all kinds of people come up and we have a whole you know we'll have the whole HB crew up there for turkey hunting and then uh, we go up in the summer and the wife and kids will come with us and so um, we spend a lot of time uh, time away but um, you know like I said it, we've kind of balanced it out throughout the throughout the year it's nowhere near nowhere near 300 I know that <laughs> yeah so kind of uh, again bouncing all over the place Missouri what kind what's their tag situation like are or if you're a landowner, do you get a tag and then a, a general state tag, kind of like Iowa or how many tags boat, you know, bow kills can you do in a year? Uh, so you get two bow, bow tags and, uh, it doesn't matter if landowners, it doesn't matter if you're a landowner or not. Um, if you're a landowner, you just get the tags for free. Uh, you don't have to buy them. Um, but you, you can't kill any additional deer for being a landowner. So anybody can kill two bucks, non-residents and residents alike. Um, and they just change it this year. So you used to be able to kill, you got two buck tags with a bow and then a gun tag. So you used to be able to kill three bucks if you wanted, if, if you could, yeah. um, which I've only ever done one time ever. And of course that's cause I bow hunt only. So, uh, yeah, if I yeah. rifle hunted, it might be a little more likely, but anyway, not that many people kill three bucks with a bow, but they changed the rule this year where it's two bucks total. So you can kill two with a bow or you can kill one with a bow, one with a gun. Um, either way, but, uh, you can only kill one buck with a bow before gun season in Missouri. So uh, I tagged out there that second week of September and I was done until, until the second week of November. So I uh, basically had to sit out for um, almost two months. So, so your, your property is that kind of in the West central part of the state? Um, we have, we have some property in, in that area in the West central part of the state, but um, we hunt, I would say the majority, um, of, of our hunts in, in Missouri are in the, uh, North central part of the state. Okay. That's where our main some, are. some other guys have property up there and they, I don't, I'm not sure how many years ago it was, but they had some, a big EHD breakout and some other, uh, maybe even some CWD come through. Uh, mm-hmm. were any of your properties hit by that? And if so, what was the damage like? Yeah, the year the year we got our our big farm up there um, was the year after EHD had wiped had hit, and so our our age structure was pretty pretty terrible. Um, and we had some some good deer on camera, some big deer that made it through, but we killed it. And you know we killed a couple, but um, for the most part, man, it, it was pretty rough. And now we're just now this year, every, it's gotten better every year since 2012, but this year. For the uh, is the first year that we were just like my wow like our all of our management efforts and all of our work and all of the you know all all the stuff we do all throughout the year is all paying off we we've got a great great hit list of bucks this year um, ironically enough we we've only killed one of those bucks and Sean shot that buck during rifle season and it was it was a management buck it wasn't even one of the one of the big ones but they're all still running around for the most part so um, Sean and his dad are up there right now actually and are, are hunting, trying to, trying to catch up with one of those bucks. So what is the, uh, you know, when, when you get this property and you decide, Hey, I'm going to start managing it. What are some things that you have implemented on your property that may allow you to get what, you know, some, some big old mature bucks? Well, I mean, the first thing is it's gotta be the right property. You know, it's gotta have enough, enough cover, enough food, enough water. Um, and so this property, this particular property, when we, when we, uh, first got it, we knew, you know, that it had the potential cause it had just tons of cover and it's, you know, it's almost 900 acres and it's got, um, less than 200 acres tillable. So, uh, just tons of cover, tons of, um, you know, native grasses and open pasture, you know, native grass areas and then areas where we could, we could plant food plots. And so, you know, the first kind of thing we did is kind of just, go in and look at everything and, and, and see where we wanted to establish food, you know, food plots. And we, we planted, you know, kill food plots that we'd hunt and, and planted just to, to kill deer out of, we planted destination food plots where we, um, you know, that we planted just to hold deer and just to keep deer on the property. Um, and then we, you know, we actually left a bunch of, uh, 
crop standing as well. So, um, you know, food, I think, is, is a super, super important factor, um, you know, but it's not all about just food plots. Like I said, we, we do a lot of controlled burns um, to promote native grasses because, I mean, deer are their browsers. And so they, they are foraging on different different plants and different different food sources all throughout the year. Um, throughout the timber, we do timber burns. I mean, there's so much food in the timber and the underbrush and the undergrowth that if it's all, uh, you know, canopied over by trees and covered up by, by foliage on the ground, that none of that, none of that reaches its potential. None of that transfers to the deer. So, um, there's just a lot of, a lot of different elements that we've just tried to try to tackle. And, you know, it's been a learning, learning curve, um, for sure. You know, we've, we've done more and more each year and we're just trying to do the best we can to improve the property and make it, uh, make it better for deer and, and wildlife. So. Nice. So is there, I mean, do you guys dedicate certain times of year to uh, farm improvement? Is there a, like after the season, before the season? I know, I know you guys do a lot of food plots, but outside of food plots, and I know you mentioned a little bit about the controlled burns, but what kind of uh, inside the timber work are you doing? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we do that. We do some of the, some timber burns, quite a bit of timber burns. Um, and, uh, you know, there's actually, Missouri has a, has an awesome conservation department and, and, uh, they have a really good conservation program and, and, uh, we actually have some timber stand improvement programs that we're going through, uh, right now to where, um, they'll do a lot of, uh, removal of, of the invasive, um, less attractive trees and kind of get to kind of weed some of that out to open up the, open up the canopy and let, let some light down onto the forest floor. Um, so basically selective harvesting and selective, uh, killing of those, those not the, the more invasive trees. Um, and that, I mean, that's, like, like I said, that's, that's something that's overlooked, you know, and, and it's huge in my opinion. I mean, there's just so much food and, and foliage available, um, in the timber where deer are going to be foraging and, and browsing, you know, in the summer months and the times when they're not out in the stand. I mean, just planting food plots is not, not enough to, to, uh, to make all the difference in the world, you know, if you're trying to improve the, the herd health and trying to make the deer, um, you know, as healthy as possible. There's just so many elements. I mean, there's food plots, there's supplemental feeding, there's, uh, you know, timber stand improvement. Um, you know, the, the list goes on and on. So there's there's a never ending uh, list of of things to do to to make the hunting better and make the make the properties better. How much uh, of that time goes into uh, you know slamming a couple does? Yeah, that 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 plays a role into it too. You know, obviously keeping the deer numbers in check and keeping the keeping the ratios in balance. I uh, I hunted out in Western Kansas just a couple weeks ago and man, it's just, it's, it's awesome place to hunt because the, the, there's not a ton of deer, you know, numbers aren't through the roof, but the, the ratio buck to doe ratio is really, really in check and really balanced. And, and that just makes for a fun hunt because those bucks are super, super aggressive and competitive because they have to kind of, you know, they all have to kind of fight for the, for the does that are in heat. So, um, man, just rattling and calling and, and decoying that stuff works so good out there. So, um, but yeah, we definitely do. Uh, we definitely do our our fair share of, of uh, shooting does because, you know, we do. We've improved the habitat, so we're you know it can definitely support more deer. Um, however, you know, with Missouri having the rifle season in the middle of rut, you know, a lot more bucks get killed than does, and uh, you know, so around surrounding our property, so a lot of does survive, and so we we definitely uh, we got our work cut out for us this year. I know Sean and I haven't been hunting at the, up at the farm as much because I tagged out early. Um, and I know Sean's just like, man, like we got, we got our work to do. We need to kill some does. So, um, but it's fun. That's, I mean, I enjoy, I, I love bow hunting and, and, you know, whether you're shooting does or shooting bucks, it, you know, it, there's a difference, but it isn't, isn't much for me. I mean, you're still, it's still so much fun and, and we're still free, filling all of our freezers and, uh, donating meat and giving it back to, to people who need it. So it's just, it's a good, it's a good time. Good cause. So 2000 and. 17 obviously there's still or 16 there's still some time left in this season uh do you have any late season plans yeah for sure um i'm actually sean and i are going to texas in a couple weeks here um in the middle of december for the first time ever we've never done that before and so um we're going with jeremy adkins from big and jay we uh we try to do some hunts together and over the years we, we used to turkey hunt every year together and uh, the past couple of years we haven't we've been so busy with everything else that we haven't so we were like all right, we got to make it a point to do to hunt together. So we're uh, we're heading heading down to Texas for the first time. So uh, 
target rich environment down there. It'll be fun. It'll be, it'll be a lot of shooting. I guarantee you <laughs> for sure. Now, what about dream hunts or, uh, big hunts that you have planned for the next couple of years? Uh, don't have anything planned. Um, but, uh, for me, you know, either, uh, Kodiak brown bear or a Yukon moose are the, are kind of at the top of my list. Um, both very, very pricey hunts. So (laughs) (laughs) it's one of those deals where, you know, I'm definitely wanting to do it uh, someday, but it's just one of those things you can't do without the help of somebody else and without the, you know, without there's so much traveling and and so much involved. Uh, it's definitely, it's definitely up there on my bucket list, but man, I I don't know. Like I I just don't get tired of hunting whitetails. Like I just, that's just my, I just love it. I absolutely love it. And I don't think I'll ever get tired of it. Like I just, that's how I cut my teeth. And I think that's, you know, that's what, that's what I'm going to spend the majority of my time doing the rest of my life. I guarantee you. Right. So there comes a time, um, and I've talked to several guys about this, you know, let's say you're successful 10 years in a row or, you know, five years in a row hunting, hunting whitetail. Is there a next level, you know, past the land management, past the, you know, only shooting five, six, seven-year-old bucks or, you know, targeting a specific bucks. Do you feel that there's a next level to bow hunting? No, I mean, I, I, that's kind of what I was just touching on. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, we seem to do more, you know, more and more every year. You know, we're, we were only, you know, a couple of years ago, we were only, you know, we were targeting four-year-old and older bucks. Now we're just trying to target five-year-old and older bucks. And we're going to be more selective. We're trying to do more to make the hunting better, to grow the bigger deer. And, uh, I don't know, you know I mean? I just, I just don't see that changing. I just, it's so rewarding, uh, putting all that work and, and having your, your, your work pay off that, um, for me that, that is plenty fulfilling when it comes to that. You know I mean? I've been on elk hunts and elk hunts are fun and, um, they're exciting and they're different, but like I said, when it, when it, for me, you know, it just doesn't get any better than hunting whitetails. Right. So let's, let's put whitetails to the side and you know uh, let's put canada to the side no, no uh, i'm not putting whitetails to the side <laughs> <laughs> for for the sake of conversation um what's uh let's go to like uh, one of those western states like do you have uh any ideal hunt like a, a mule deer or in a different state or um another kind of hunt that you've been been looking at uh, not, no, not really in particular. Um, you know, like I said, the, the spot and stock mule deer hunts are, are such a rush that like that, you know, we, we do a lot of that in the, in the sand hills of Nebraska. Um, and that's, that's just one of my, one of my favorite hunts of the year. Sean's been the past couple of years has been doing the Utah hunt and do it yourself kind of backcountry public land hunt. And that for, for him is just like, you know, they, they get back from that hunt and they're just, miserable and said it's the worst thing in their life but like it's it's so much work and it's so mentally and and physically exhausting that that when they do shoot one and get one it's it just is super rewarding so it's just you know it it gets back to uh you know what what all you put into the hunt is is what makes the end result you know rewarding or or not as rewarding you know if if um you know you just go show up in an outfitter and they throw you up in a stand and a big buck comes in, you shoot him the first night. Like is that buck, is that buck going to mean the same to you as, as the buck that you put in your blood, sweat and tears for? No way. Uh, you know, granted unless it's like a 200 inch deer maybe, but even then it's just like, you know, just, just different. It's just different. And so that's why, you know, we, we do hunt with outfitters from time to time. Um, but for the most part, you know, we're hunting, hunting, you know, our own properties, properties we have permission on, even that we don't own properties, you know, that we don't lease that, that we just literally have permission on knock on doors that I've had for, you know, had for years. And, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, think cause you're on TV and you got all this, you got a bunch of money and you're, you're buying up property all over the place and leasing stuff all over the place. And that's, that's certainly not the case. So, um, you know, we, we, uh, we, we earn everyone we get. I promise you that. So this is a very vague question, but what do you love about, bow hunting i think the the number one thing is just is just learning and figuring out an animal and getting getting you know learning so much that you can get in to their you know their habitat and their bedroom and 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 be able to be there without them knowing that you're there 
whether it's bowling out west, like I said, spot and stock, or even you know whitetails, like you have to fool them, and, and they're smart. You know, they 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 don't mess up very often. Uh, I I tell people all the time, my favorite time of year to hunt is early season, and and that's the time when you know their 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 guards may be down a little bit more because they haven't been hunting for a while, but um, it's not the rut. You know, they're not going to take get a whiff of you and just you know throw it in the wind and say, oh, I, I guess it's probably still okay. Like they catch your wind, you know, you mess up and that, that's your one opportunity. So, um, you know, being able to, to figure them out and, and, and to fool them and get them within bow range. That's, uh, that's what does it for me. So are, are you looking forward to, uh, how, how much are you looking forward to, uh, getting your, your children involved? Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm way looking forward to that, man. Uh, just, just to pass that on and, and see the excitement that, you know, that I once felt when I shot my first deer to see that in somebody else's, somebody else's eyes and to share that, uh, you know, I can't, can't wait for that moment. I, I, you know, I try to get, uh, any and everybody involved in bow hunting that I can, you know, just cause it's just so rewarding and so cool to see that passed on. My, uh, my brother-in-law as uh, he's a, he's a farmer and has hunted all of his life, you know, with a gun a little bit here and there. And, and um, uh, I got him a bow a few years back and uh, he picked it up and just, you know, he started hunting and and finally shot his first deer. And he's like, Oh my God. Like, he's like, I can't like, now I see why, now I see what, you know, what I was talking about, why it's so exciting. And he just couldn't believe it, how exciting he was. And he, uh, so he got, he ate up with it. So I just love, I love, you know, passing that on and getting other people, you know, involved in, in something that means so much to me. Did you only marry your wife because her brother was a farmer? Yes. A lot of land. Yeah, exactly. My <laughs> wife, yeah, her, my wife's dad is actually, no, here, I'll tell you, my wife's dad is a really, really big farmer and has thousands and thousands of acres. Uh, but I'm proud to say I don't even, I don't even hunt on any of them. So it wasn't <laughs> must, be, must be pretty bad or it's all it's terrible. Egg, right? It's terrible. <laughs> no, no, it's actually, he's got some good stuff. Uh, um, but yeah, a lot of egg, a lot of egg property. And so, uh, but my brother-in-law killed his biggest deer ever this year. He killed like a mid seventies buck in Missouri. So, Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, it's as big as I've ever killed, so nice, I told nice. him I'll be coming down there to hunt with him now. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Mike, I first off, I want to say thanks for coming on the show. I uh, appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to uh, come on and chat with us today, and uh, good luck the rest of the season, man. Hey, yeah, definitely. I appreciate it, and uh, hopefully I'll be seeing you soon. I'm sure I'll run into you at the shows. And that brings us to an end of this Friday's podcast. Huge shout out to Michael for coming on the show and taking time to BS with us a little bit. If you guys want to catch Heartland Bowhunter on the Outdoor Channel, uh, you can catch it at Monday at 8.30 a.m., Wednesday, 8.30 a.m., Thursday, 9.30 p.m., Thursday, 5 a.m., all Eastern times. And uh, so if you haven't uh, seen Heartland Bowhunter, I... I recommend it. Awesome camera work. Awesome uh, storytelling. It's a pretty good overall television show. So uh, check it out. Uh, Huge shout out to you guys for taking time to listen to this and, uh, you know, give me an hour of your day. Also, huge shout out to Exodus Trail Cameras, ExodusOutdoorGear.com, and then Deer Lab as well. So uh, thanks to those guys. And uh, if you guys haven't already, follow me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter, and I show a lot of pictures and all that jazz there. Other than that, guys, have a great weekend. And uh, if you're out gun hunting this weekend, be safe and wear your damn safety harness.